الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله الناصح الأمين اللهم صل على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تمسك بسنته إلى يوم الدين ثم أما بعد الحمد لله الحمد لله على نعمة الإسلام والسنة All praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the Sunnah. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alladhi ja'ala lil'ilmi usoolan. All praise and thanks belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has made for knowledge principles. This is a ni'mah. Because by way of understanding these principles, we are able to have an understanding of our religion. And this is what is what is of tremendous importance in that we strive to understand our religion. And understanding takes precedence over memorization. There is a benefit to memorization, but the one who is better is the one who understands. So the finest is are those who they memorize, they understand properly, and they act accordingly. Because the goal of knowledge is implementation, is to act in accordance to it. In order to do that, we have to understand properly so that we know what to do and how to do it correctly. So alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the deen branch off from fundamental principles or that there are fundamental principles inside of the deen of al-Islam which makes it easy for us to understand. And this is something that is tremendously important because when we speak about the, the usul, the fundamental principles, Sometimes you will hear it referred to the fundamental principles of the Sunnah. Naam. The fundamental principles of As-Salafiyya. Naam. So on and so forth. A lot of times, or sometimes, there is a disconnection. Because what both of these articulations and phrases refer to are the fundamental principles of Islam. Why? Because the Sunnah, as Imam al-Barrahari he mentions in the opening of Sharh al-Sunnah, the Sunnah, he al-Islam, well Islam who was Sunnah, that the Sunnah is Islam and Islam is the Sunnah. The Sunnah, Salafiya, mean the same thing. So it also can be said, as-Salafiya, he al-Islam, well Islam who was Salafiya, that. Um, Salafiyyah is Islam and Islam is Salafiyyah So when we say the fundamental principles We mean the fundamental principles of Islam Naam, The fundamental principles of the deen from, the, from these fundamental principles Then there are four fundamental principles That are very important for us to know And to 
learn about and to understand Naam. And these are four fundamental principles That the great Imam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab He gathered here in this book that we want to go over this weekend Now I encourage everyone to have a pen, to have a paper um, And to be interactive inshallah ta'ala As we uh, will be stopping periodically to ask questions As we go along inshallah ta'ala Because again what is incumbent and what we're looking for is that we understand. Is that we understand. Naam. Likewise, for the sisters, and I know a lot of times the sisters, they come out to places and they, they listen. They can't really participate in things of this nature. Well, alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us and given us access to technology, certain forms of technology. From those forms of technology is the the internet and those things that are related to it. Naam. So for the sisters, if they would like to participate, and likewise those who are afar, who weren't able to come physically due to geographical uh, distances and so on and so forth, then they can also participate online via the Mixler channel, right? The Mixler channel that is live now for Masjid al-Bukhari. If they sign in, they're able to participate to an extent, inshallah ta'ala. Now, for those who are participating from afar inside of the room, then we just want to remind you of the rules. And that is that communications are to be as related to the class itself, answering questions, and that's it. No cross-communication with other participants inside of the class. Uh, no side conversations, none of this nature, right? But to answer the questions that are being asked, you have an opportunity to answer the questions that are being asked via via the uh, the platform as provided uh, on on the line. Inshallah Taala. So with that being the case, the Imam Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab he begins the book with the the basmala, with the basmala. And I want you to pay attention to the manner in which he begins the book, the introduction. He says, أَسْأَلُ اللَّهَ الْكَرِيمِ رَبِّ الْعَرْشِ الْعَظِيمِ أَنْ يَتَوَلَّاكَ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ He said, I ask Allah, the most noble, the Lord of the tremendous throne. Naam. And for those who have the work for you can read along, inshaAllah ta'ala. Those who have the workbook, you can read along. Naam. It says, I ask Allah, the most noble and generous, the Lord of the mighty throne, that He protects you in this world and in the hereafter. And yatawallaka fi dunya wal akhirah. That He protects you in this world and the hereafter. And that He make you blessed wherever you may be. وَأَنْ يَجَعَلَكَ مِنْ مَنْ إِذَا أُعْتِيَ شَكَرْ وَضُبْتُلِيَ فَصَبَرْ وَإِذَا أَذْنَبَ اسْتَغْفَرْ فَإِنَّ هَاؤُلَاءِ ثَلَاثَةَ عَنْوَانُ السَّعَادَةِ فَإِنَّ هَاؤُلَاءِ ثَلَاثَ عَنْوَانُ السَّعَادَةِ Because verily, and that Allah Ta'ala, He makes you bless wherever you may be. And that He makes you of those who are thankful when they are given those who are patient when they are tested and those who seek forgiveness when they make sins because verily these three they are signs 
of happiness. These three, they are signs of happiness. Naam. Now, for those who have the book, and for those who are far at home or don't have the book, then write down the phrases as we come along to them. Those who have the book, you can actually write inside of the book as, as yani, relates to the phrase. And in whatever manner that you deem it best and most organized for your notes, right? But we want to look at a few of these phrases, inshallah ta'ala, so we understand. So we understand and we see some of the magnitude as it relates therein. The Imam, rahimahullah ta'ala, he begins the book by making dua. He begins the book by making dua for the reader of the book, for the student, for the one who is studying the book, and so on and so forth. Making dua. Because this is the nature of knowledge. Knowledge is mercy. Right? Knowledge is mercy. As it comes to hadith, عن عبد الله بن عمر بن عاوس رضي الله تعالى عنهما نعم قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم he said that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم he said الراحمون يرحمهم الرحمن ارحموا من في الأرض يرحمكم من في السماء and this hadith was from those a hadith that was the first hadith that the ulama of hadith used to teach their students. So, in the past, when a, when a student came to seek hadith and to learn hadith with a particular scholar of hadith, usually the first hadith they would narrate to them would be this hadith. So as to draw their attention to the fact that this ilm is mercy. The beginning of it, the middle of it, and the end of it is mercy. It leads to mercy, and the repercussions of it is mercy. Meaning when it's implemented. Now, this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, الرحمن, That those who are merciful, the most merciful, will show them mercy. Those who are merciful, the most merciful, will show them mercy. Be merciful to those who are in the earth, so that the one who was above the heavens will show you mercy. Naam. So you find this is the way of the ulama. They're very gentle and very concerned about the, the Muslims and about their situations and their well-being. Naam. So the imam, he begins with this tremendous dua. And this tremendous dua consists of a few different parts. The first part, he asks that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he protects and safeguards you in the dunya and in the akhirah. Naam, what does this mean? This means, Allah. He's asking Allah that Allah be your wali. That Allah be your wali. Naam, your protector. And Al Wali. This is from the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is from the beautiful names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Wali. Naam. So what is from the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what? Al-Wali. Al-Wali. Naam. And what Al-Wali ma'na, what is the meaning of Al-Wali? Ma'na Al-Mutasarrif fi khulqihi ammatan is the one who 
He arranges the affairs of his creation. Generally, نعم, because this wilaya is going to be of two types. This wilaya is going to be of two types. The first type is one that is general, right? And that general is that he arranges the affairs of the creatures, period. The affairs inside of the this world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who arranges them. Naam, he's in control of them. Creatures or creation? Creation, creatures, yani khalqi. Naam, his, his creatures and uh, his creation. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is the one who arranges the affairs. He is the wali, he's the guardian who arranges the affairs. So this is in general, and this encompasses what? Everything. Right? Everything. And then you have the second type, and that is khasa. It is specific. Now, the specific wilaya is for who? It's for the believers. The specific wilaya is for the believers. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala arranges for them bima yanfa'hum that he gives to them that which will benefit them where fit dunya wal akhirah that he gives them that which will benefit them in this world and the next and this is what the shaykh is asking an yatawallaka fit dunya wal akhirah that allah that he protects and safeguards you looks after your affairs giving you those things that will benefit you in this world and in the next. That's specific for who? For the believers. Right? The first type, the first type, does the first type include the kuffar? The general. Yes, it includes the kuffar. Now, does the second type include the kuffar? No. The second type is only for who? It's only for the believers. Now, wait. The second thing which the Shaykh he makes dua for is that what? وَأَنْ يَجْعَلَكَ مُبَارَكًا أَيْنَمَا كُنْتْ That Allah makes you mubarak wherever you may be. He makes you blessed wherever you may be. Naam. What is the meaning of a blessing? That, that, that a person is blessed. Because we hear it all the time. Right? We... Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time to bless each other, right? We say, Barakallahu feek. May Allah ta'ala bless you, right? Uh, and so on and so forth. What are we asking for? Guidance, protection. Guidance, protection, right? That enters into it. Hmm. Who else? Who else wanna, who else knows? Anybody else wanna give it a, give it a shot? Ah. Ah. What about the online people? You wanna, Chime in. What do you think that means? What are we asking for? We ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses, blesses us. So what, is, what does it mean to be blessed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The shaykh mentions that what is meant to be blessed is a sababan likathratil khayr. Stemiru. All the things that enter into blessing, right? From being upon a good situation, good disposition, so on and so forth, right? But also is that what? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes you a cause. He makes you a reason for a great multitude of good. A reason, a cause for a great multitude of good. So you become what? A source of goodness. 
Right? So individual that is blessed so that you are a source of goodness. A source of goodness. Now, what the well? And also that it is something that is perpetual, that you are continuously a source of goodness. So if you think about the implications of that, what will enter into an individual being blessed is tremendous. This person will be a, a, a benefit for his community. He will be a benefit for the Muslims. He will be a benefit for the kuffar. He will be a benefit for the animals, a benefit for the road, a benefit, a benefit, because he's blessed. Good comes from this person. Right, and, and and with good coming from this person, that means that what that the harm that that person may have is withheld, because none of us are perfect. We all we all have mistakes. We all have, uh, you know, bad characteristics and things that are unsavory <coughs> that people don't like, and so on and so forth. Right? We all have, we all possess certain things about us that you know it's not the best of things. But the person that's blessed is an individual that what he will withhold his harm from other people. He will withhold his harm, or she will withhold her harm from other people, right? So, this, this again, this secondly is tremendous. Naam. Thirdly, وَأَنْ يَجْعَلَكَ مِنْ مَنْ إِذَا أُعْتِيَ شَكَرٌ وَالْضُبُطُولِ يَفْصَبَرٌ وَإِذَا أَذْنَبَ اسْتَغْفَرٌ That he make you from those who that when you are given, you are thankful. When you are tested... You are patient. And when you make a sin, you ask for forgiveness. Tremendous. Now, why is this so tremendous? This is tremendous because what? Because in this in this in this life, this life, this world, we're gonna be in one of three states. Right? We're either gonna be in a ni'mah wa'silah. A ni'mah, a blessing that has reached us, right? Either gonna be it's gonna be a, bl- a blessing that has reached us, good time, prosperity, good thing happened, good news, so on and so forth. Naam. Or it's gonna be a musibah, fa'usilah, or it's going to be a calamity that has taken place and struck us, right? Because sometimes it's good times, sometimes it's bad times. Sometimes it's good news, sometimes it's bad news, right? So that's 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 a possibility, right? Sometimes it's a bad situation. Or to be a situation where there's a sin that we committed. There's a sin that that taken place, we committed it. Right? So you find in life you're gonna be in one of these three situations. Either it's gonna be a good time, it's gonna be a bad time, or you're gonna yeah, you make a sin. So a person say, what about doing good? Well doing good is in the good times. That's a ni'mah. Huh? When you're doing good, ibadah, what you're supposed to be doing, that's a ni'mah. That's a bounty. That's a bounty from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But sometimes we don't do what we're supposed to do. We come up short, we do things we shouldn't be doing. That's gonna be making a sin. So these are the situations of life. So these situations in life you have inside the Sharia, it tells us how to deal with them. It tells us how to deal with them. And the Imam Rahimullah Ta'ala, he mentioned how to deal with them in the dua itself. He mentioned how to deal with them in the dua itself. So the answer is there. So when a good time it happens, what have we been commanded to do? When a good time happens, we're supposed to be what? Supposed to do what? Grateful. 
Now I'm supposed to be grateful. Wait, when a bad time happens, something that we don't like or whatever, what are you supposed to do? Supposed to have suffered, be patient. Wait, what about when we make a sin? What are you supposed to do then? Seek forgiveness. forgiveness. So for individual to implement the three things that he's supposed to do in these situations as they come in his life. Because remember now, in life you're either going to be in one of these three situations. You're not going to go beyond that. You're going to be in one of these three situations. So if we do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to do in the various situations of life, in these three situations of life, then what will happen is that what we will attain? Happiness. Happiness. Because happiness here, and you can write this in your notes, and happiness, as-sa'ada, is well known, but happiness here, al-hal, al-mula'ima, al-abd, it is a favorable Good, appropriate situation for the person, for the for the slave. This is when he's happy. Naam, this is when he's happy. When he's in a favorable situation, an appropriate situation, so on and so forth. Which, when we look at that definition, we realize it doesn't necessarily entail that a person has a lot, that a person is wealthy, that a person has a greater mass of anything. No, because a person can find happiness in just having what he needs, or just having what she needs. Even though it may be little, you know, maybe a little bit, they find satisfaction in that, and they and they're happy, right? They're happy. In fact, some of the happiest people are who? Of course, the believers. That's like a trick question. Of course, the believers, <laughs> right? But a lot of times, what the poor from the believers are some of the happiest. The poor believer, why? Because he's appreciative of what he has. He's satisfied what he has. He finds the yani the the the, the best of what he has. In other, in other words, yani he's uh, what's the word? It's a word. It's a phrase. It's escaping me right now. But he's able to appreciate and to find satisfaction and make do with what he has. So a little for him is a lot. Content. He's content. Nam assent. That's it. He's content. Even if he has a little, he's content. So he's able to be what? To be happy. So when a person applies these, 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 these three things inside of their life, so that when they are given something, they're what? Grateful. So even if they have a little bit, they're grateful for what they have because they realize it could be worse. Right? A person has one piece of bread to eat. Alhamdulillah. Why? Because some people have no piece of bread. Right? So he said, I got a piece of bread, I can put something. So if he finds appreciation in that, he's happy. He has a cup of water. Alhamdulillah. Why? There's many people in the world that don't have access to clean water. SubhanAllah. They don't have access to clean water. So he has a clean, one cup of clean water. He's very happy. Because he has a lot more than a lot of people. So he finds appreciation in that. You know, he's an optimist. If you you know put it in, a, in another way, he's able to find the the, the 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 upside of situations and so on and so forth. But when a calamity strikes, they're patient. When they make a sin, they ask for forgiveness. That's very important. Of course, a person who doesn't ask for forgiveness when they make a sin, how can you know? That's a miserable person. What an evil individual. They make a sin. They don't they don't feel bad. They don't ask for forgiveness. That's an evil person. This type of people, they never happy. They never nothing is ever good enough. Everything that happens is always too much, right? Whatever they get is never good enough. So they never had. They're the most miserable. They're the most miserable of human beings. 
طيب. The Shaykh he mentions, he mentions, and, and this is actually a quote, the Shaykh here, Muhammad Abdul Wahab, he's actually quoting Shaykh al-Islam, Imam Ibn Qayyim, Rahibullah Ta'ala, uh, who, who mentioned this. You know, thankful when they are given, patient when they are tested, and then they ask for forgiveness when they make sense. And then he mentioned, he says that, that these things, that these three things are signs of happiness. These three things are signs of happiness. Now, in the Arabic language, we have the word anwan, right? It's translated as signs. It's translated as signs um, because that's the predominant meaning, basically, for lack of a better word, term, and/or translation, right? But let's understand it a little bit better so that we have a little bit better understanding. Is that the word anwan? Anwan, anwanu shay, ma yadullu it's something that points to something. It points you in the direction of something. It puts you in the general vicinity of something, and so on and so forth. This is anwan. It, brought, it draws your attention to something. So if you're trying to get somewhere, then you need what? An anwan, right? Well, minhu, in the Arabic language, right? For the brothers who speak Arabic, when you look at the title of a book, sometimes you would call it what? Anwanul, what? Book. Kitab. Right? The anwan of the kitab. But what does it mean, the unwind of the kitab? The title of the book. Because the title of the book points you to what, what the book is talking about, the subject matter of the book, what's, you know, what, the, what, what, what the book covers and deals with. But I'll give you another example. What's second, also uh, a house or, 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 or a place of business or a place, right? If you're trying to get there, you're trying to get there, what would you ask? Person tells you, okay, go down to you know, whatever place, go to the supermarket, and, and, and you never, and you're not familiar with the the area. So, so what do you need to get there? Is that what? Direction or the address, right? The address. So, anwan in Arabic language, you can say, yeah, the anwan. What's the anwan? The address. What's the address of the house? Why do you need the address of the house? So that you can where get to the house. That makes sense. That's how you get there. It points you to it, and by and, and by way you're able to get there. So Imam Ibn Qayyim he mentions that what that these three things are the unwan. These are the unwan of sa'ad, the address of happiness. If you want to get to happiness, then you gotta follow the address. You want to get you want to get to a place. You want to put in your GPS. What do you gotta do? You put the address inside of GPS. Then you're able to get there. So if you want to get to happiness, what's the address for happiness? These three. You see? And see, this is where the English language sometimes it comes up short because, of course, you can't translate Unwinder's address without now having a footnote that goes into these big paragraphs and explaining all that. Right? So then you have to, you know, you have to say, okay, a sign, the sign of happiness. But I don't know, to me, it doesn't, doesn't really, it doesn't give you the same feeling, like, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's too simple. It doesn't, you don't really walk away from that. With, with a lot to hold on to, and and, and 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 that's just an encouragement for all of us to learn Arabic, because yani we 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 have to. So if if a person were to apply these three things, then they're gonna be happy, right? They're gonna be happy. That's how we that's how we get happiness. These three things right here, right? That's how we get happiness. Like, then the Imam goes on and he mentions. He says, "Ilm arshadakallah li Subhanallah, still making dua for us. You see that? Still making dua for the Muslims. He says, no. This, this, is a, this is a word that draws your attention. Have knowledge. No. 
Then he says, may Allah guide you to his obedience. That's tremendous. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Right? Because if, because if Allah guides you and bless you to be obedient unto him and give you success in being obedient to him, how could you lose? You can't lose. You can't lose in the dunya. You can't lose your muqiyam. Because you're one who lived your life and died being obedient unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're a winner. That's tremendous right there. Right? Then he says, Anna al-Hanafiyya, know that what? That Hanafiyya, Millata Ibrahim. And Ta'abdullah wahdahu mukhlisan lahuddin. Wabidhalika amarullah jami'in nas wa khalaqahum laha. Kama qala ta'ala wa ma khalaqtu jinna wal insa illa liya'budun. He says, know that al-Hanafiyya is the way of Ibrahim, which is to worship Allah alone, making all of the religions sincerely for him. And this, and with this, they have been commanded, and with this, Allah has commanded all of the nas, all of mankind, and He has created them for this purpose. Just as Allah says, just as Allah, the Most High, He says, and I did not create the jinn nor mankind except for them to worship Me. Naam. Firstly, when we look at this paragraph, look at this this portion, we want to know what is al hanifiya What is al hanifiya Naam. We hear about this a lot. Al-Hanifiyyah. The deen of Islam is Al-Hanifiyyah. Hanifiyyah is the middle of Ibrahim. Hanifiyyah is the way of Ibrahim. What does that mean? Al-Hanifiyyah. Naam. Al-Hanifiyyah is important that we know this word in the Arabic language points to two meanings. Two meanings. Naam. Two meanings. One of them is Am. General. Right? So who, who would like to mention what is the second? Religious. Not religious. Specific. Ge- specific. specific. One is general, the other one is specific. specific. Now. But the general meaning of Al Hanifiya, then this means what? Al Islam. The general meaning of Hanifiya is Islam. Right? The specific meaning, the specific meaning of Hanifiya, and this is, yani, it is Al Iqbal Allah bit Tawheed. This means to turn towards Allah by implementing Tawheed. This is the specific meaning of Al-Hanifiyya. Naam? That makes sense? Now, what the brother mentioned was true. Meaning, it was true that certain words are broken down in this type and that type. He said religious meaning. A shari. Right? Both of these, you will say, is the shari meaning of Al-Hanifiyya. Both of these are the religious meaning of Hanifiyah. So you say, what is the religious meaning of Hanifiyah? Then the religious meaning of Hanifiyah is of two types. One is general and one is specific. Generally, it means Islam. Specifically, it means to turn towards Allah, to turn towards Allah with Tawheed. Right? Now, the brother mentioned religious meaning. What's the opposite of that? You got the religious meaning and then you got what? 
Linguistic meaning. Nah, sento. So you got the religious meaning. So the religious meaning is what? What's the religious meaning of Hanifiya? It's remember, gotta break it down. Break it down for me. The religious meaning of Hanifiya breaks down to what? Two. Two. General specific. The general is what? Islam. Islam. Sense. What's the specific? Tawheed. Tawheed. To turn to Allah. I want you. I want you to put that in there. Turn to Allah with Tawheed. There's a, a, a method for the madness, right? Why? Why I want to put? Why I want you to say turn to turn to Allah? Why? Because it's going to bring us now. So I want to mention the what the linguistic meaning of Hanifian, right? Linguistically, linguistically, and there's some speech of the early marriage relates to what does it mean linguistically. Now, the strongest opinion, as a member of the mentions, is that the religious meaning is al-iqbal, to turn towards something. That's the meaning in the language. That's how it's used in the language, right? Al-iqbal, that a person turns towards something, right? Um, you have other. From the ulama, they say that the meaning of Hanifiya linguistically is al-mail, to turn away from something or to lead away from something, right? Some say al-mail to turn, meaning and they leave it general because al-mail could be turned to or to turn away from, right? But some of the ulama they mention that it means to turn away from, meaning to turn away from what shirk, to turn away from shirk. That makes sense? So now, as Imam ibn Qaymi mentioned, now you have two possibilities as what's the strongest meaning of what it means inside of, of, of the language. In the language, predominantly it means what iqbal, to, to turn to something, to turn and accept something, turn towards something. Right? When you turn towards something, it necessitates what? That you lean away from something. That makes sense? So for example, if I turn to my right, I turn away from my left. left. So if you turn to Tawheed, you turn away from Shirk. So now you see how the the way the word works inside of the language to turn to and away. So now you see why it's used in this sense inside of the religion. And Hanifiya, which is Turn towards Tawheed, right? Because we're turning towards Tawheed. So it's Hanifi, turning towards Tawheed. You're accepting. You're accepting the Tawheed, turning towards the Tawheed. So by default, you turn away from Shirk. So the one who is Hanif is one who he turns to Tawheed and he turns away from Shirk. And this is the way of Ibrahim. That makes sense? This is why that word is used. That word is tremendous. No doubt. But now here's something. Here's something, right? The Shaykh mentions that Hanifiya is the Millah of Ibrahim, is the way of Ibrahim. Which is true, no doubt. The reason why he said that, and Allah Ta'ala wa A'lam, right? Is that this is what Allah mentions in the Quran that Hanifiya is the way of Ibrahim. But see, what's the wisdom in that? What's the wisdom in that? The reason why I'm asking this is because after hearing what is Hanifiyah, 
To say it's the way of Ibrahim, a person may step back and say, but wait, isn't that the way of all the prophets and the messengers? Right? What, what would the answer be? Yes. Yes. That, that's the way of all the prophets and the messengers. So now here's the benefit. Why is Ibrahim specified? Because his people was upon shirt. You're in the right direction. That is linked to his people. His people were upon shirk. Now you're away. <laughs> you was, you was, you know, you get hot. Now I get cold. <laughs> he was close. He was close. He was close. Now, there are two reasons why in the Quran Hanifiyah is linked to Ibrahim. I want you to understand, and Hanifiyah is the way of all of the prophets and the messengers. Is Hanifiyah. Why is it linked to Ibrahim? For two reasons. For two reasons. There's great benefit in those two reasons. The first reason why it's linked to Ibrahim is because, remember, the Arab. The Arab. Right? And in particular, uh, the Quraysh. The Quraysh, the Arab, right? They they trace their lineage back to who? Ibrahim. Right? So remember now, remember that who's being addressed? The Quraysh. And the Quraysh, they were upon Shirk. Shirk. That's where he was hot. The people. Right? The people who, who linked themselves back to Ibrahim, who claim Ibrahim, they were upon Shirk. So when Allah Ta'ala says, in the way of Ibrahim, the way of Ibrahim was Hanifiyah and he was not a polytheist. This is refutation upon those who claim Ibrahim. You claim to be upon the way of Ibrahim. Ibrahim wasn't a mushrik. If you really upon his way and you claim to be connected to him, then you need to be muwahid because he was muwahid. He wasn't a mushrik. So you see how like the, yani, what do you say? Like uh, it, it, The argument demolishes them. You want to be like Ibrahim? Ibrahim was upon Tawheed. Be upon Tawheed. He wasn't a mushrik. He wasn't upon polytheism. So it smashes out the, the polytheists who claim connection to Ibrahim. Right? But that's, so that's one reason why it's linked to Ibrahim. Because of the, the, uh, the, uh, the people who were being addressed. The argument that was, that was used against them. You claiming that you connect to Ibrahim by your lineage? Okay, well Ibrahim, he was not a polytheist. So this is why in the Quran it comes linked the way of Ibrahim. Right? That's one reason. It's one reason. That makes sense? Yeah. The second reason is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs in the Quran, as Allah Ta'ala told Ibrahim, that He's going to make him what? Imama. He's going to make him an Imam as it comes to the Baqarah. Naam. Ibrahim والسلام, Allah Ta'ala made him an imam An imam is what? Is one who others follow his example So because Ibrahim was made an imam One who is to be followed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us to be upon the way of who? Ibrahim Because he's Allah Ta'ala made him an imam So that's why it's linked all of the prophets and the message were upon the, was upon the way of Hanifiyah. But Allah Ta'ala specifies Ibrahim. Why? Because he was made an imam. Follow the way of Ibrahim. Naam. Naam. The father of the prophets of Bani Israel. Naam. And also the father of the prophet Muhammad. 
right? So this, so this is why he he was is linked to him because he's a, because he's an imam, and this is why the midday Hanifiyyah being the way of Ibrahim, Ibrahim is specified, but in general, it's the way of all of the prophets and the messengers. That makes sense. And then Allah Ta'ala, oh excuse me, and then the, the, the Shaykh he brings a dalil on why we are to worship Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And that is in Allah Ta'ala's statement. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ And I did not create the jinn nor the mankind except for them to worship me. I did not create the jinn nor mankind except for them to worship me. Naam. The shaykh he mentions, he said that Allah created us to implement Tawheed and commands us to implement Tawheed. And then he brings this verse. Right? So now a person may say, what's the point of reference in the verse? How does that verse show us that the purpose for our creation is to implement the Tawheed? And we are commanded to implement the Tawheed. How do we get that? From where? Now the first one that the purpose of our creation is clear, right? And I did not create the jinn or the mankind except for them to worship me. That is clear. That's explicit. That's explicit. That we've been created to worship. What's implicit, what's implied? If you've been created for a thing, then that means what? It means that there's going to be some direction in how you should worship. No, no. More, more simple. More simple. It's a real simple answer. You, you must obey it, which means you must what? Wow. If you've been created to worship, then by default, that means you're supposed to, huh? That means you're supposed to worship. If you've been created for a thing, that means you're supposed to implement the thing and do it. So if Allah created you to worship Him, then by default, that means you have to worship Him. So if He created you for worship to, to worship Him, then that means you are then commanded to worship Him. So obey Him and worship Him. That makes sense? So this verse here is a proof that not just the purpose of creation is to worship Allah alone, but also we have to worship Allah alone. We've been commanded to worship Allah alone. And that's why he brought this particular verse. Because that one verse deals with both meanings. One explicitly and the other implicitly. Right? Explicitly because it's right there. And you have not been created except two. I did not create the jinn or the mankind. Excuse me. I did not create the jinn or the mankind except two. Worship me. But, so that means then by default what was implied is, so therefore you're commanded to worship. Worship, worship Allah and Allah alone. But, and then the Imam he says, so if you know, he gets in, he says, فَإِذَا دَخَلَ الشِّرْكِ فِي الْعِبَادَةِ فَسَدَتْ كَالْحَدَثِ إِذَا دَخَلَ فِي الطَّهَارَةِ فَإِذَا عَرَفْتَ أَنَّ الشِّرْكِ إِذَا خَالَطَ الْعِبَادَةِ أَفْسَدَهَا وَأَحْبَطَ عَمَلْ وَصَارَ صَاحِبُهُ مِنَ الْخَالِدِينَ فِي النَّارِ عَرَفْتَ أَنَّ أَهَمَّ مَا عَلَيْكَ مَعْنِفَةُ ذَلِكَ لَعَلَّ اللَّهِ أَنْ يُخْلِصَكَ 
يخلصك من هذه الشبكة وهي الشرك بالله الذي قال الله تعالى فيه إن الله لا يغفر أن يشرك به ويغفر ما دون ذلك لمن يشاء وذلك بمعرفة أربع قواعد ذكرها الله تعالى في كتابه the mu'allaf he says that in, 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 in once you have come to know that Allah has created you in order to worship him then know that worship is not considered worship or not even called worship unless it's with tawheed just like salah is not considered salah except with purification Shaykh Raslan he mentions a very important point is that what is that this it, this similitude here is a similitude so as to draw to draw you close to understanding. It's not a similitude saying that the two are the same. Because the implementation of it, Tawheed, as it comes to the ibadah, is greater, more important than purification as relates to salat. That makes sense? Huh? Like. He's, uh, the, the, the imam goes on to say, just like the prayer is not called the prayer unless it has with it purification. So if shirk were to enter upon the worship, it would destroy it. Just as um, the nullification of the purification will destroy purification. So since you have known that shirk, if it were to mix with Worship that it will destroy, that it will corrupt it, and it will destroy it, render the actions null and void, and it will make the companion of it one who dwells in the fire forever, will go to hell forever. Then you know that the most important thing upon you is to know about this, so that Allah will save you from this evil grip, this evil net, which is a shirk, this evil trap, which is shirk. Which is shirk with Allah, of which Allah Ta'ala he says, Verily Allah does not forgive that partners are associated with him, but he forgives from other than that to whom he pleases. And that will be by knowing four principles that Allah the Most High has mentioned in his book. Hence some of the importance of knowing about these four principles. Now from that, what we want to look at here is some of these words we hear all the time. We want to examine them, what they mean. Right? Because I think that was pretty self-explanatory, what the Sheikh said, right? That made sense. Nah? And again, there are many explanations to this particular book, so I want and encourage everyone to go back, read different explanations, and, so, and benefit, inshallah, time. Now, because of the time, right, and what we want to accomplish uh, within this workshop, we want to look at certain words. One of these words we look at are these off-repeated words we use all the time. Ibadah. Worship. What is worship? Right? What is worship? Now we know the definition of ibadah from Shaykh Rasam Tamim. It's Mujamah. To the end of it, right? Comprehensive term, comprehensive word, used to point to that which Allah loves and please with, so on and so forth, right? To the end of it. But we want to look at it from a different standpoint. We want to look at it from a different standpoint. Because again, we're trying to increase upon the our understanding. Ibadah. Then inside of the Sharia, inside of the Sharia, Ibadah. Then it will have two meanings. Two meanings. Again, we're not we're not trying to give a definition for it per se, but we want to get into the meaning of it. 
understanding the concept. What is ibadah? What is worship? In the Shania, two types, two meanings. <coughs> now, these two meanings, almost everything went over so far. Two meanings, two meanings, two meanings, two meanings, right? Two types, two meanings, two types. What were they? They were what? General. General specific. and specific. So, anybody want to take a shot at what it is? That are what? <laughs> that are general specific. Am <laughs> wachas. That's from another aspect, another aspect, right? Um, yeah, and following the Prophet, so I said, let me know that you have to have, you know, the following Prophet, so when you, when, uh, for the worship to be uh, accepted. What to follow following the Prophet was the only way that we could worship Allah. It is, it is. That's what I'm saying, that's from another, that's from another angle. Okay. That's from another angle. Right? Because that gets more into, okay, how do you worship? The only way to worship is by following the Prophet. That gets into the issue. That, uh, the for, well, into the issue of, uh, has your worship accepted? Has it been in accordance to the Sunnah? Has it been in accordance to the Sunnah? Right? It has to be uh, upon Tawheed, otherwise it's not going to be accepted. But I don't want to talk about it from that standpoint. We understand those truths about it. But I want to look at what is the. Uh, what is what the concept? The concept of ibadah, right? One is that what generally, am generally is that what ibadah huwa imtithal khitab al-shara' muqtarinu bil-hub wal-khudur. That ibadah it means to implement. That which is requested from you by the legislation. Now, and then when you when you look at it from that standpoint, then that gets into what what you mentioned about being upon the sunnah of the Prophet You have to be upon the sunnah of the Prophet because we have been commanded to worship in a specific way upon what the sunnah of the Prophet So that that meaning will enter into this particular uh, uh, part of the concept. Yeah, but it's a different angle. Yeah, it's different angles, different angles. But here what I want you to focus on is that what? Is that worship is to implement that which you are requested to do by the legislation. With love and full submission. With love and a full submission. Would, would them two fall on the, the, the seven conditions? Hope now nah, we have to have love. Why are they both of them? Yeah, what's this? Not you know, when qiyad. Now you have you have to you have to love and you have to submit uh, to it. See now nah, all that is uh, there. Now, nah, but you have to love it and you have to submit yourself to it. So now worship is important to understand too. Is that what worship has to come from a standpoint of of love? Right? So when we pray unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's because we love Allah. Correct? There has to be an aspect of love. We make umrah, we make hajj, we give zakat, because we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you're going to listen to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So that's, that's very important, is that don't remove that aspect of love. We love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to be the most beloved thing to a believer, Period. Period. 
Right? And that's important to know because sometimes see one of the things that Shaitani he, he he does, he likes to harden the hearts. So a person wanna be religious, if the Shaitan can't get you to, to not pray, you're gonna pray anyway? He can't get you to not do righteousness. So what is one of the things that Shaitan try to get you to do? To become callous, to become hard, to become like religious robots, for lack of a better term. Right? Person just hard, hard, hard. How your heart so hard and you worshiping like this? You see, you ain't doing something right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because the ibadah, it has to be love. It has to be love. We love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because we are in the Ahl Sunnah, we between what? Love and what? Fear. There's love and there's fear. Nah, inshallah. Between love and between fear. We love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we worship, an aspect, an important key aspect of ibadah is what? Is love. And then what? Khudur. We have to, we have to uh, 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 submit ourselves unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to humble ourselves. Now, we can say humble, submit, be submissive, compliant. All that enters into it. But basically, we, got, we have to listen. We have to listen. And that listen, the listening requires submission. Because it may be things that otherwise we wouldn't have done. Correct? Waking up before yeah, Fajr time. That may not have been our call. But we do it. We submit to it. Right? The soul caused the evil at times. The nafs amara the soul. It caused the evil. You see that beautiful woman walking down the street wearing on like hardly nothing? You saw it one time, but you, I mean you took notice it's there. That's all you get. To look back, you might want to look back. Why? Because you're a man. Correct? You're a man. Men like women. Right? You should. I mean, men like women. We ain't talking about no, no, you know. We ain't talking about no, no, uh, you know, weird things, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But what happens now? You have to submit yourself to fight yourself to be compliant to the, to Allah's rules. So then, what? You lower your gaze. You don't look back. You realize, oh no, don't look over there no more. But is that maybe what you want to do? No, you want to look, right? So you submit yourself. You you stop yourself. You submit yourself. So there has to be. A form of submission. And this is important when it comes to worship. That we do it out of love and we do it out of submission. See, this is the thing too. Sometimes a lot of us grew up uh, before we said the son. You know, we come from the background where our parents are stern. Right. And we obeyed them because they were, they were our parents and you may fear what they may get to you. Right. If you didn't do it. So sometimes I get mixed up in, as far as the, you know, the worship part. It's like, like you said, say you wake up for five in the morning, you mm -hmm. go. You may be tired, you don't really want to go, mm -hmm. but you go, you submit to it, but out of fear that something bad may happen if you stay in that thing. Right. Does that still fall under love? It's both. Because we love and we fear. When a person understands Allah SWT, right, how, how, how generous Allah Ta'ala is to us, how um, kind Allah SWT deals with us, by default, you have to love Allah SWT. Right? Because generally a person loves the person who does something for them. 
You know, Prophet ﷺ said, Tahadu, Tahabu. Give gifts, spread the love. Because when a person does something good for you, you remember that. You remember that. You understand what I'm saying? Because that's, that's how Allah Ta'ala created us. That when a person shows you kindness, does something good for you, you, re, you take note to that. That, subhanAllah, that, that, you know, that guy, he, he helped me out. You remember that next time. Right? And because generally that's how we are. We love those who do good to us, who, who do good for us. Correct? Now, from this standpoint, who has done more for us than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one. Everything we have, Allah gave it to us. Everything we have, Allah gave it to us. Even those people in our lives that have been nice to us, Allah created them. Allah created their ability to do whatever thing that nice was. Allah created us. Allah created whatever ability within us to understand and to know that the person did nice to us from us having ears to, to, to hear, eyes to see, uh, uh, intellects to understand and to comprehend. So on and so all those things that go into being able to recognize when something good has happened to you. All of those, all of those things, right? Allah's given us all of that stuff. So everything that happens to us from good, Allah's gave it to us. So when a person understands that from that aspect, you have to love Allah more than everything else. By default, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not conceivable or rational or logical that, that that wouldn't be the case. You love Allah more than everything, right? So that's where you get the aspect of love. The aspect of fear is because anyone who understands the power, the might, the ability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you have an intellect... You will fear him. You understand? Because human beings, like you know, things that we that we may be scared of on a lesser level, and for Allah is the greatest example. A person is scared of a of you know if a big lion walked in here right now. We'd be scared. Why? Because we know the lion could do to us. Right? He may maul us, he may bite us, he may rip our intestines out. Because the lion has that ability. He's a lion, he's strong. A grizzly bear come in here, a grizzly bear can hit you, knock your head off. So we, you're scared because you know what it can do to you. That makes sense? But a lot these things are nothing. These things are nothing. For those for those for those for those sinners, for those yani, evil and corrupt kufar, they're gonna be in the hellfire. Forever. Allah SWT is gonna make them bigger. So it's more uh, real estate to burn and punish. Every time the skin gets burned off. It, it grow back. They drink stuff that destroy their innards, melts it down. And then Allah Ta'ala puts it back. You understand? These are things that maybe, yani, subhanAllah, we never want to understand the true reality of it. Ever. May Allah Ta'ala protect us from it. But when a person thinks about this, that subhanAllah, Allah Ta'ala has the ability over all things. Right? Allah is capable over all things. When a person understands this, he realizes now why no matter how big and strong a person is, I ain't scared of you. You telling me don't pray. If I pray, something's going to happen. It's going to have to happen in me. Because what Allah is going to do to me for not praying, ain't nothing what you ain't going to do nothing. The worst you could do is kill me. Then what? Okay, I'm going to die anyway. You're really, not, you're really not threatening me with nothing. You're going to kill me. Okay, I wasn't supposed to live forever anyway. 
I was going to die anyway, whether it's in my bed, whether it's in, you know, whatever, I was going to die anyway. So if you're going to kill me, all right, it's going to be what it is. But I'm not going to jeopardize what you may do in these little little bit of minutes or whatever, and then Allah punish me forever. It's not worth it. So that's why we're scared of Allah more than everything else. That makes sense? So it's both. So for the believer, it's not black and white. It's not like it's either this or it's either that. Right? Because reality doesn't work like that. And that's how you know, and it shows that the beauty of Islam, that's how you know it's not just the way that the kufar try to make it. You got some kufar and it's all about, oh, just love. It's just, what do you mean, just everything is love, that's it? You got others, oh, everything is, you know, uh, what do they say, uh, 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 brimstone and whatever, you know what I mean? That's it. SubhanAllah, Allah Ta'ala saved us from this. And then even within the deen of Islam, Allah SWT has saved us from these two extremes. Those from the Sufiya and so on and so forth, and the Murji'a, they worship Allah Ta'ala just straight from love. Huh? Murji'a with unrealistic hope. No matter what they do, it's okay, we're going to be forgiven anyway. You understand? Then you have the Khawarij on the other side. It's all fear. Everything is fear. So it's led them to what they have fallen into, the Murji'a and the Sufiya, led them what they have fallen into, and now we're in Ahl Sunnah, we're in the middle. Can we understand reality works as both? Like you mentioned with the parents, and for Allah is the greatest example. For your parents, do you just love them only? No. Are you just scared of them only? No. But you love them and you scared of them. Right? You don't want them to be displeased with you. You want them to be happy with you. Yeah? You love them at the same time. They may, they may spank you and you don't want to get spanked. That's how reality works. It's not black and white. And it shows you the beauty of Islam. So when you look at this, and this is how you know Islam is the haq. How you know Islam is the haq? Huh? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created the universe and the way things work that is it with, with, uh, within it is the same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who sent down the deen, who sent down the, the revelation, who showed us how you're supposed to live our lives. And that just shows you the truth of, of, of Islam. So when you look at the concepts, they fall in suit. So ibadah, we got love and we got submission. And submission is going to be something from what? From fear. You submit well, out of fear. But also, there got to be love there. So the they mentioned love. That makes sense? But that's the general, that's the general meaning of ibadah. The specific meaning of ibadah, and this is very important, very important benefit, is what? Tawheed. Tawheed. The general meaning of ibadah is tawheed. So this is why you'll find certain statements from the, from the Salaf and the Sahaba that they will say anytime you see the word ibadah in the Quran, then no, it's talking about tawheed. Because there's no ibadah without tawheed. Naam, so it's tawheed. And that's very important. Right? That makes sense? Which brings us to Tawheed. What does Tawheed mean? Uh, a Tawheed, two types, two, and two breakdowns. The general, Al Am, is Ifradullah Bihaqqi. Is that we have to single out Allah in that which is His right. We have to single out Allah in that which is His right. Right? And this general type 
breaks down into two types. So I want you to follow me here. Again, this is for, I want you to understand. So this general type breaks down into two types. So the general type is that we is th- that that we single out Allah as relates to His rights. Yani bihaqqi, as relates to His right. But haqqullah no'an. The right of Allah is two types. Haqqun fil ma'rifa wal ithbat is a right as relates to knowing about Allah and affirming. So I want you to follow me. Knowing about Allah and affirming, this is a right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we know about Him correctly and we affirm the truth as relates to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. We believe in Him correctly. Right? That's one. The second type is the right of Allah as relates to irada the right of Allah as relates to what we intend and what we request. Right? The right of Allah as relates to what we intend and what we request. So when so when we intend something, the irad, when we intend something, our intention should be for who? For Allah. Right? And when we request something, like we seek help in times of peril, then that should be for who? Allah. Now, you got the concept? One right is to affirm, is to know about and to affirm. The other right is, is, is as relates to our intentions and our request. request. This is the concept. And remember, we're talking about what? Tawheed. This is the concept. You with me? Now, when you understand the concept of a tawheed is that applying the right that belongs to Allah, singling him out and rights that are due unto him and belonging to him, then you understand where the categories of tawheed come from. Right? You see, it's all it's connected. Now you understand where the categories of a tawheed come from. Because what are the categories of a tawheed? What's the first one? Rububiyyah. But what would that fall into? Knowing about Allah and affirming. Correct? But what's the next one? Uluhiyyah. All of the ibadah only for Allah. That falls into what? Worship. Worship, but the irada wa balab. The request and the intention. So when we make a worship, who are we desiring? Whose face we designed by that worship? Allah. When we need help in times of peril, who we who we make Isavatha to? Allah. Right? When we asking, who we asking a help for assistance from? Allah. So on and so forth, right? And that's Tawhiwa. Uluhiyah. Like, and then you have what's the what's the third type? That's my Wasifat. And that falls into where? The first one or the second one? That falls into knowing and affirming or falls into wanting and asking? Wanting and asking. Uh, it's a 50-50 Which one is it? <laughs> huh? Knowing and affirming Right, the names and attributes Right, knowing and affirming Names and attributes So when you look at it And you see, you see, and you see the breakdown Into these three categories Then you understand How it traces back To the concept The concept what? And so he Giving Allah his right Singling him out alone In that which is rightfully his That makes sense? That's the general meaning of Tawheed. The other meaning of a tawheed, the specific meaning of a tawheed, then it relates to what? Ifradullah bil ibadah, to single out Allah alone with worship. 
So from those three categories, when a person says that Tawheed, right? Or you see a Tawheed, then a lot of times what is meant by it is a Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah. Because the Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah was a Tawheed that the NBA came to their people with. To call their people to worship Allah and Allah alone. Why? Because the vast majority of mankind, as we're going to get to the, the it's, a, it's a build up, right? To the first principle. Because the, the vast majority of mankind already agree with Tawheed al Rububiyyah. They already know that Allah is their creator. They already know that Allah is their sustainer. They already know that Allah is the one who causes life and causes death. They know that. But what's the issue is that they don't worship Allah alone. So the NBA and the Rusul, they came and called their people to it Tawheed. And uluhiyyah. So when you see the word tawheed, generally what is meant by it is tawheed and uluhiyyah. The tawheed of the worship of Allah subhanahu Now, do the, uh, what about the other two categories of tawheed? You have to believe in all of it. La ilaha Allah, it points to all of it. Why? Because in order to be successful, in order to be muwahid, you have to implement all of the categories of tawheed. That makes sense? Now. And that's why, and then the Imam, and there's, and there's more. And but that's all of this brings us to what? To the first principle. And that is to know that, as the Shaykh mentions, and ta'alam and al kuffar al ladina qatalahum Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, muqirruna bi anna Allah ta'ala huwa al khaliq. المدبر وأن ذلك لم يدخلهم في الإسلام is that to know that those kufar those disbelievers who the Prophet ﷺ he fought against them they agreed that Allah was the creator and was the sustainer but that did not enter them into Islam نعم that did not enter them into Islam but inshallah ta'ala we're going to save that for the next sitting and we're going to go through the four, for the four principles themselves right after having now some background uh, from the introduction we're going to uh, go over the four principles bithnilahi ta'ala inside of the next sitting inshallah ta'ala and um, the intention and bithnilahi ta'ala we will finish the book today but again just highlighting certain points so I, I just want this to be an encouragement to go and get more, to further study in more depth and more detail. Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. No. Alhamdulillah. No. No. They talk about Uluhiyah? No. They don't talk about Uluhiyah at all. They talk about Uluhiyah. Mostly, right? Mostly, yeah. They don't talk about Uluhiyah. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Not at all. To the point where if you ask them what is the meaning of Nah and Allah, they don't know. They can't tell you. Allah is God. No. Believe inshallah. So inshallah ta'ala, we're going to have a break now and then we will pick up with the, the... the next class, inshallah ta'ala. And then later on today we'll finish off the four principles. Muhammad <laughs> <laughs>